0: we've been talking together about the christmas experience the idea is that we don't want to just we don't want to just celebrate christmas we don't want to just have christmas we want to experience it and to help us with that we've been looking at the at the gospels as they tell us the story in different ways and each week we look at the, uh, what happened at Christmas from a different perspective. So one week we saw it from Joseph's perspective, and one week Mary, and one week uh, was the, the, the town of Bethlehem itself. Um, last week was kind of the shepherds. And so we, uh, we, we look at it from different perspectives. This morning is a little bit unique in that I want us to look at it from God's perspective. And to help us with that, we're going to turn to John chapter 1. John's gospel is a little bit different than the others. While the uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, basically, I, I think we could say they tell what happened in Jesus' life. John not only tells what happened, but he tells us why. He tells us the meaning of the events. Each gospel is written to a different audience and it has a different purpose and that's why we want to learn all four gospels because we get a fuller picture that way. John's emphasis is not just on what happened but why. What was the meaning? And so he tells the Christmas story in a very different way. Instead of giving us the details, instead of talking about the shepherds who are washing their socks on, by night, and the angels who are singing, and all the stuff that's happening, he wants to give us the reason, the purpose, the meaning behind the story. And so we hear in John chapter 1, beginning at verse 1, he introduces us. To the Son of God, again, from God's perspective, he introduces us to him in a number of ways. First, he introduces us to the Word. In verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. He calls him the word. Now, what is a, a word? If you think about, you think about words, it, it's it's more than just a group of letters that come together. Words are what we use to reveal ourselves to one another. Words are what we use to express ourselves so that others can understand us. The word, the Greek word is the logos, which, which carries with it the, uh, a concept of more of an idea than a group of letters. But here is, here is the logos, the, the word. God expressing himself to us. And he does so in God the Son. He does so in Jesus. It says, in the beginning was the Word. Now, don't run through that too quickly because there's, there's something important there. In the beginning, when everything got started, was the Word, past tense. The Word, God the Son, was before anything else was. In the beginning of everything, He already had been. He was. You see, Christmas is not the story of how God the Father created God the Son. No, he was never created. He has always been. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have always been one and have always been together. And so it says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. So not only is he eternal, but he also is personal. In the beginning was the word. He's eternal. But then it says that he was with God. He's personal. You see God the Father and God the Son interact with one another. He was with God. And so it's it's good to know that the word that our Jesus is eternal and personal. But not only that, it says the Word was God. The Word in the beginning was the Word, eternal, and the Word was with God, personal, and the Word was God. You see, He is God. He is holy, And notice as well that after he explains to us who the word was, verse 2, he was in the beginning with God. Verse 3, all things were made through him. He is creator. In Hebrews chapter 1, he he helps us understand what it means that that the word has come. In the past, it says in Hebrews 1, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. You hear that? He has spoken to us by his son. How did God reveal himself first? First, he revealed himself through creation. Then he revealed himself through the prophets. Then he ultimately and completely revealed himself through creation. God the Son, through the Word, Jesus is the living revelation of God himself. In these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. God God the Son was not created by God the Father. He has always been. And a matter of fact, he was involved in creation itself. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16 says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. Jesus was actively involved. Jesus, as we know that name, we we would say God the Son, was actively involved in creation from the very beginning. So he is the Word. And then John introduces us to him as the light. The light. Look at verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. He is the light of the world. And you know, we need light. When, when we are in, when we're in the dark, we experience what it means to live life without Jesus. If you think about it for just a moment, The dead of night, everything is still and quiet, everything is dark, and you got to get up to go get a drink or go to the bathroom. You don't want to turn on the lights and bother everybody else, so you get up in the dark, and as you try to make your way through the house, you stumble over those shoes that you left at the foot of the bed that you should have put in the closet. And then when you stumble over those, you kind of lose your balance a little bit, and then you kind of figure out which way you're headed, and then you hit your knee on the dresser. Why? Because you're, you're going through the darkness. And there are three things that you cannot see in the dark. One, you cannot see where you're supposed to go. You can't see the right path. You don't know where to go. Two, You can't see the obstacles in your way. You can't see when there's going to be a problem coming. And so you need to be ready and how to avoid it. Three, you can't see danger. You wouldn't be able to see if there was a a bad guy in the corner. You can't see the enemy hiding and lurking in the shadows. That's what life is without Jesus. Jesus. We don't know which way to go. We can't see or understand the obstacles that we're facing in life. And we can't see the enemy who is ready to pounce. But when he comes as the light of the world, now we understand where we're going. We can see the way. Now we can understand the obstacles in our path and we can avoid them or at least understand the purpose of getting over them. And now we can see when the enemy plays games with us. He doesn't get to hide in the shadows of our hearts because the light of the world has come. The essence of the light changes our reality basically from danger to security, from death to life. When we built our house, our contractor came up with with a few really good ideas. Two of my favorite. One is I I plug in all of my outdoor Christmas lights. I plug all of them in, set it all up outside, and all of the outside plugs that run my Christmas lights are connected to one switch in my closet. So all I gotta do is go in my closet, throw that one switch and all the lights are on. And then at night when it's time to go to bed, I just go to the closet, throw that one switch and all the Christmas lights go off. As long as I remember to do that, it works out great. And the other thing was, Lisa has a a switch and it's just about halfway up the wall, so it's, it's, it's um, easy to reach from the bed. And it's on her side of the bed. And if perhaps I wasn't home and there was a noise outside, she just reaches over and throws that one switch and all the security lights outside come on. Two very good ideas. And they work really well. The, the the point is that it is when we have the light, we have that security. We can see what needs to be seen. And the idea here is clear that it is God who has chosen to, to flip the right switch to bring the light into our hearts that we might see. Creation started with light. You remember? Is it? it's, always, it's always amazed me that the first thing God created was light. Let there be light. He created light before he created the sun. Now you figure that out. Where did the light come from? He created light first. It's not surprising then that in the new creation, it too would begin with light, that he would bring the light into our hearts, that we might be born again as new creatures. Second Corinthians chapter four says, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, that's in creation, the one who said, let there be light, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Now we can know God as revealed to us through Jesus Christ because God turned on the light. He brought the light into our lives. John introduces us to the word He introduces us to the light, and then he introduces us to the family. The family. Look at verse 10. You'll have to jump down a few verses, and we'll pick it up at verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Even though he made the world, he was the creator, the creation rejected him. The creation didn't know him, didn't recognize him. Earlier in verse 5, it said the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. That word for overcome might be better translated as, um, as comprehended or mastered. You know, when you finally get complex mathematical stuff, you finally get physics figured out, we say you've mastered it. You struggle with that foreign language and finally you can speak fluently in that foreign language. We say you've mastered it. That's the idea here. The light came, but the darkness never could master it, never could comprehend it, never could understand it. And so in verse 10, he was in the world. The world was made through him. The amazing thing is the only, the only begotten son, the only one who, who is, was in the family from the beginning, made a way that the rest of us could be adopted into the family. He made a way that we could become sons and daughters of God. When we believe, it says, when we believe in his name, He gives us the right, that that means the opportunity to become children of God. And notice in 13, you don't become a child of God because of how you're born or because of anything you do, but only through God. It is a gift of grace that we can be adopted. You remember Ann Landers, the Newspaper article, people would write in letters and she would respond. There was one particular Dear Ann Landers article that stood out to me a few years ago. And this lady wrote in, she said, it happened again today. My two sons and I were in the shopping mall and a total stranger felt the need to comment on the fact that my boys didn't look anything alike. Apparently, my six-year-old decided it was time he explained the difference. He said, I'm adopted. That's when you have the same family, but not the same face. I like that. You know, God the Son, whom we call Jesus, is the only one with the birthright, the only one who was in the family from the beginning. Even though we don't have the face, he allows us to, through faith, be adopted into the family. Ephesians chapter one, the last part of verse four and the beginning of verse five says, in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. God loved us so much, he allowed us to be adopted into the holy family. John introduces us to the word, the light, the family, and then the incarnation. Incarnation is one of those kind of churchy sounding words, this kind of theology sounding words. And so I almost didn't use it, but I chose to go ahead and use it for a couple of reasons. One, because we use that word in some of the songs that we sing, and so I think it's important for us to to talk about it since we're going to use it in songs. And it's also somewhat familiar in our lives. San Antonio has the the, the University of the Incarnate Word, and so we we hear it even in the name of, of universities. You hear carnation in that. You hear the same word as carnal, which means flesh. So incarnation means in the flesh. Here is God, God the Son, who comes into human flesh, incarnation. Look at verse 14. The Word became flesh. And dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son of the father, full of grace and truth. The word became flesh. That is the Christmas story, according to John. While Luke goes into the, the, the beautiful, poetic story of the angels and the shepherds and the manger and all of that... Matthew, Matthew tells us about the angels appearing to Joseph ahead of time and the magi who come to bring gifts to the Christ child. We get these beautiful stories. In John, here is the Christmas story. The word became flesh. That's basically it. His, his intent is to help us understand the why. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. God the Son took off his robes of glory and put on the lowly robes of humanity. He stepped off of his holy throne and instead stepped into a feeding trough. He became flesh. Astronaut James Irwin was one of the few men to walk on the, on the face of the moon as he stood on the moon, he looked up at the earth. That always sounds weird to me when I, when I read that story, that he looked up at the earth, and he prayed for the first time in his life. He thought about the strife among nations and poverty and hunger and rampant evil. He thought to himself, what is more important than man walking on the moon is that God should walk on earth. Think on that for just a minute because we have been so amazed our whole lives with the idea that man walked on the moon. Yeah, but that ain't nothing compared to the word became flesh. God himself walked on the earth. It says in verse 14 the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word for dwelt is a great word. If if you took the noun tabernacle and you turned it into a verb, it would be this word. He tabernacled among us. You remember what the tabernacle is? It's the temple before the temple The temple was the permanent structure that they built. The tabernacle was a tent that was like the temple. And the tabernacle would move with the people as they wandered through the wilderness. And as they wandered through the wilderness, God would say, okay, let's stop here. They'd stop. They'd put up the tabernacle. God's presence was right there in the midst of them. And the 12 tribes would surround the tabernacle. That was how they set up camp. Every time he was in the midst of his people. And now John says, Jesus, the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. He, he took on a temporary body, a tent, if you will, and he is among us. That is amazing to think of Emmanuel, God with us. That little boy was frightened one night during the great thunderstorm." He called out to his father from his bedroom. He said, Daddy, I'm scared. Would you come in here? His dad, who had already settled in for the night, he was already comfy in his bed. He wanted to go to sleep. He told the boy, Son, it's all right. God is with you in that room. God's with you. You're okay. There was a moment of silence, and then the little boy spoke up again. He said, Dad, right now, I need someone with skin on. We can relate to that. It's wonderful to know that we have a God in heaven, but isn't it amazing to know that the word became flesh. He he put on skin to dwell among us. And then in the Gospel of John, we are introduced to the reason for it all. He introduced us to the word, to the light, to the family, to the incarnation, and then the reason for it all. And it's all wrapped up and explained for us in that great verse, the first verse you ever learned, John 3, 16. For God loved the world so much... That's what it means to to say God so loved. It means he loved the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The reason for it all, the reason for the incarnation, the reason we can be adopted into the family, The reason that that he was the word and the reason that he came as the light in the darkness, the reason was God's love. God loved us so much, he gave his only son. That whoever believes should not perish, but gets to live forever.